that prayer that Bill just prayed about Merle bringing about bringing Jesus to those young people. We used to have on our podium, um, we had this saying at the top, so when you walked up here to speak, right here written was this partial verse out of the Bible that says, Sir, we would see Jesus. Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's still on there. Yeah. On that yeah. one? It's, not, it's at our house. It's at the Genesis house. Okay, yeah. So, um, I um, made my monthly trip to the YMCA a couple of weeks ago. And um, normally, every now and then when I leave the Y, they've got this basket there that they have scriptures written on different colored pieces of paper and they're cut up and they're thrown in this basket. And you can pick one up and read it and take it with you. So sometimes I usually do that when I'm leaving the Y. But this time I got my towel and I started to the to the locker room and I turned around and I just said, well, I think I'll just get one of those now. So I got this one. It was a red one. I read it on the way to the thing and it, it just kind of stopped me in my tracks. I've read it before. We've all read it before. Um, but it just reminded me of how amazing this story of God really is. I'm going to read it to you. It's Titus 1, 1 through 4, um, if you want to look it up. Paul, a servant of God and messenger of Jesus Christ in the faith, God gives to his chosen in the knowledge of the truth that comes from a God-fearing life and in the hope of the everlasting life which God, who cannot lie, promised before the beginning of time. At the right moment, he made his word known in the declaration which has been entrusted to me by his command to Titus. My true son in the common faith be grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. There's, th- there's this phrase in there that kind of s- sent me off on a thinking track. In the hope of the everlasting life which God, who cannot lie, promised before the beginning of time. I'm like, whoa! Before the beginning of time, before man was made, God promised the hope of eternal life. I thought about, okay, so who did you promise it to? It's an amazing scripture that in his, in the essence of God, he had this grand purpose and plan to bring himself glory. And so... That's been fuel for me for a couple of days. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to go to Hebrews. Um, But it's really fun to find those little things in the Bible. In this story of his, the more you read it, the more it's like, oh yeah, that connects to that. And wow, I see what he's doing here. And you just cannot plumb the depths of it. Men, Men that spend their life studying this book here um, and still have yet to master it. And so it's a lifelong journey, isn't it? It really is. Um, So we're going to be looking at what's called the fifth gospel today. The first four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are 
about Jesus' ministry and His activities here in the earth, many commentaries say that Hebrews is really like the fifth gospel um, because it talks about His preparation as high priest and His ministry in heaven. Um, R.C. Sproul, this is a quote from R.C. Sproul. No biblical document outside of the four gospels focuses as totally and forcefully on the person and redemptive achievement of Jesus than this book, Hebrews. If there is any book that brings together the whole counsel of God in one place, it is Hebrews. It is so rich in relating the redemptive activity of God from the Old Testament and and integrating it with the revelation of God in the New Testament. It also gives us one of the most magnificent descriptions of Christ anywhere in the Bible. Now, I, I so appreciate the songs Bill picked this morning because basically we, we sung a profession of His great name. And today we're going to read in Hebrews to affirm what we professed and then in the end it becomes our confession. So, um, bear with me. We, we started this one of the Crossway weekends. A lot of you weren't here. I sort of gave an overview of, of this particular book. Um, so I'm going to go back and um, reread the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 1. I remember Bill and I were talking, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago. And he was telling me about this young girl in Crosswave. I, I, I don't think you mentioned her name, but anyway, she's really excited about the Lord and Bill had given her this assignment to do and she came back to Bill and says, well, I've done all that. What do you want me to do next? He said, I want you to read the book of Hebrews and I want you to go through and, and mark all the times it said something about better. All the things it says about how Jesus Christ is better. And I kind of had to smile to myself because I had just done that like two weeks earlier. Um, and so that's what we talked about the, the Sunday that you guys had Crosswave. Um, because it's, it's an amazing book in just laying out all the ways that Jesus is better, better than angels, better than Moses, better than the covenant, because there's better promises and there's a better sacrifice. It's, it's a great study just to, to go through and look at that one particular word. And so I think that young lady is going to come back and be excited again. So, yeah. So let's begin. We're going to read the first four verses of Hebrews chapter one. I'm going to read this out of a different translation. Um, It's one that I like. It's kind of a paraphrase, uh, and I think it's okay to use since Greg's used it in the past. So, it's the J.B. Phillips translation. Greg gave me a copy of this um, years and years ago. I, I, I hate to say how long we've been friends, but we still are friends. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it just, you know, you can read the ESV, you can read New American Standard, and then you pick up J.B. Phillips and like, well, gosh, that sounds, some, I understand this better. And so I'm, you can read this out of your Bible, but I'm gonna, I want you to listen to his and his um, way he has translated this. God, who gave our forefathers many different glimpses of the truth, 
in the words of the prophets, has now, at the end of the present age, given us truth in his Son. Through the Son, God made the whole universe, and to the Son, he has ordained that all creation shall ultimately belong to him. This Son, radiance of the glory of God, flawless expression of the nature of God, himself the upholding principle of all that is, affected in person the reconciliation between God and man, and then took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high, thus proving himself by a more glorious name that he is one, far greater than all the angels of God. What a start to a book. So, Hebrews is, a, is interesting because the, the author makes this statement and then he goes on and logically gives support for that statement out of the Old Testament scriptures. Um, you know, he says that he, and the more glorious name or the more excellent name that he's given is Son. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the time when a man comes up and introduces his son to me, it is with a sense of pride in his voice. You know, it's one thing to be just a friend. It's another thing to be the son. And so this name son is more excellent than any name that an angel has. So he, he says that, you're the one that I've begotten. I will be your father and you shall be a son to me. Your throne will be forever. Um, the earth and the heavens are going to pass away. They're going to change. But you, you don't change. You stay the same. I mean, he says, these are all things that are quoted out of the Old Testament that he brings forth for his listeners to support this fact that his name is higher and his name is better than the angels. And as, as, as you will see as you read through the book of Hebrews, his name is better than anybody else's name. He brings up other people's names. He brings up Moses' name. He brings up Melchizedek's name. It's better than Melchizedek. And we'll see maybe one of these weeks in the future why that is. He commanded the son, hey, you sit over here till, and I'll make... Your enemy's a footstool. But the angels, they had to go do battle. But he says, you sit. I'll make them a footstool for you. And so his name, in a very logical way, um, the author has shown here, is higher and better than the, the angels. And then we come to the last verse of chapter 1. It's kind of a question, but it's really a rhetorical statement in, in, my, in my opinion. And um, it kind of is a transition sentence between two lines of thought. So one of them uh, has to do with angels. One of them has to, I mean, with Jesus. One of them has to do with man. And so what we see here is... Um, a, a beginning of a warning, the first of five warnings in, in the 13 chapters of Hebrews. And then uh, we have a little bit of 
a short story about the story of man and then the beginning of a lengthy explanation about Jesus needing to become a high priest. And so we're going to kind of move through each one of those things. Um, First, let's talk about the warning. So starting in verse 14 of chapter 1, we're going to read down through the fourth, fourth verse. Are they not all ministering spirits? Talking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So we're called to pay careful attention to this word. The the first words were brought through prophets, but then the word came through the son. Um, It reminded me, I didn't write it in here, but this morning as I was just reading through this, it reminded me of the the parable of, uh, of of the vineyard. God... The owner had planted this vineyard. Uh, He put people in charge of the vineyard. And then he would send, every year he would send someone to check on the vineyard. And every year, the person that came to check on it was mistreated. It got worse and worse year after year. Finally, he says, you know what? I'm just going to send my son. They'll respect him. And so he sent his son. And the response was, let's kill him. And then we'll inherit it all. And it's a, you know, it's, those people, the the end of the parable basically says that the owner would come and destroy those people. It's about, it's about unfaithful shepherds and leaders, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the time. But, um, you know, they wouldn't even listen to the son. And so... This particular warning here is, look, you know, in the past, there have been others that have brought this message in the Old Testament. But in these last days, the son is the one who's brought the message. So the the authority is higher and the word is true. And we need to take some time to stop and consider carefully all that Jesus claims and all the things that he has said so after that we move into this thing that i've kind of called it's it's kind of like the story of man these next next three verses five through eight um but i want to go back and i want to read um 
verse 14 and skip over the warning. And I'm going to read this again. I'm going to read this in the Phillips translation. Surely the angels are no more than spirits in the service of God, commissioned to serve the heirs of God's salvation. Guys, that's us. They're just ministering spirits commissioned to serve us. For though in past ages God did not grant authority to angels, yet he did not put the future world of men under their control. And it is this world we are talking about now. But someone has said, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. But now we do not see all things subjected to him. A portion of this particular passage comes from Psalm 8. And I'd like to just take the time to go back and read that in context with you guys. Psalm 8. It's a Psalm of David. And it starts out pretty much like what we sang this morning. We sang about this great name of 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 the Lord. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, this is really interesting here um, because why does he, why in the world would he care about man? Um, G.K. Chesterton uh, wrote this, uh, which really says who man is now. Whatever else is or is not true, this one thing is certain. Man is not what he meant to be. Instead of having mastery, he is mastered. Instead of ruling, he is enslaved. Instead of being characterized by strength, he is characterized by great weakness. Instead of being characterized by glory, he's characterized by shame. You know, in the beginning, God said to Adam to be fruitful and to multiply. He said, subdue and rule the earth. That was was God's purpose for man, was that he would do that. 
but he disobeyed. He was deceived by the devil, and he lost that privilege. And now the devil is the prince of the air, and he rules um, through death, through sin and death, and that's what we're enslaved to right now. It's amazing, I'm not going to read it, but if you want to see before he was a fallen angel who he was, Lucifer, uh, just write this down, Exodus, I mean Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19, describes who he was and who he became. But you read that, I mean he was, I mean he pretty much had it all there in his position, um, in heaven, but he lost it all. You know, he became prideful. He wanted to be like God. He just became self-aware and absorbed with himself. And so God punished him and sent him to earth. And it's interesting to me because it seems like he kind of tempted man along the same lines. He's, you know, it's like, you know, if you if you if you eat that tree, you won't die. You actually you'll be like God. I mean, that's the whole thing he wanted to do. And so, what happened? So um, it says, man's eyes were opened, and he saw that he was naked. He became very self-aware, and that's pretty much where pride comes from. We we when you are self-absorbed and self-aware. Um, you always get in the way of the glory of God. And so um, that's the state that we're in. We live under the, 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 the authority and the fear of the devil. Uh, but that wasn't what God really had for man. And so what this passage talks about is in the world to come, man will rule. And so the whole process of restoring and redeeming mankind okay we're gonna he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth and in that place god will restore us to our rightful thing so you you think about it you know you you look at the state of man you say well gosh why do you really care about us why why do you you know why did why do you benefit us why do you come to our aid why do you even think about us as majestic as the and enduring as steadfast as all the the world that you've created, and the the, the reason is because we're made in His image. Mm-hmm. We're made in His image. I mean, you think about that. You think about you know if you've had ch- ch- children, and, and immediately when you see them, it's like there's an immediate love for them. You know, they're a part of you, in a sense. It even extends to grandkids. I can tell you that now. So, anyway, um, so we're in this place where he's put all things in subjection, but we don't. We sure don't see it now, do we? So the point is, we don't. But there is one that that has been crowned with glory and honor, and everything is in subjection to him. And that's Jesus. If you go on to verse nine. In this chapter, it says, But we do see him, him is capitalized, so it's speaking of Jesus. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, in case you don't 
catch the pronoun him. He just spells it out right here. Namely, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so by the, the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. <clears throat> you know, I, <clears throat> I, I, I love the way God uses words. You know, as I read this, I thought, so I can just picture this. Jesus tasting death, but then death is swallowed up in victory. It's just, God's just got a good way of saying things, doesn't he? Um, so it's the grace of God that one would be chosen to taste death for all. Um, and because of that, and because of his position now, for those that believe in what he's done, we don't have to fear death. And death is death is what enslaves us. So we can we can live our life without this fear of death. It's just it's this thing <clears throat> it's this thing we have to pass through. You know. We were born into this world and we're gonna kinda pass through death to get to the next world. Um <clears throat> I'm going to read these these 9 through 12 again out of Philip's. What we actually see is Jesus after being made temporarily inferior to the angels and so subject to pain and death in order that he should in God's grace taste death for every man now crowned with glory and honor. It was right and proper in that bringing many sons to glory God should make the leader of their salvation a perfect leader through the fact that he suffered. For the one who makes men holy and the men who are made holy share a common humanity so that he is not ashamed to call them brothers. For he says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing praise to you. Um, we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about that in another message. This, this is the beginning of Hebrews giving this three or four chapter explanation about Jesus being chosen to be um, the high priest that he is. But I'm going to leave that for now and I want to skip to the first verse of chapter 3 because it brings us back around to a, a one word that, that Greg spoke in a sermon probably. It's been two or three months ago, and that's this word consider. He used it over and over about God and about Jesus. And here it comes, and we have to face that word again. It's Hebrews 3, 1, which after making this this brief introduction argument into why Jesus had to become a man, he had to become a man to be a priest, to be a priest for us because the priest has to be like the people he represents. That's the very, very short explanation. But as he begins this explanation, then in Hebrews 3, there's this word, therefore. So he's making a statement after making a point about his validity as a high priest. And he says, therefore, holy brethren, Partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, 
the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him. I'm going to stop right there. This, this word consider means to think about something, taking time to observe it. Very much like the earlier thing in the warning about pay close attention to. So, how many really think about and relate to Jesus as an apostle and high priest versus just being my savior? You know, And so, today I want us to consider... Jesus as apostle, Jesus as high priest. Um, these two particular things, an apostle is what? Does anybody know what's the function of an apostle? What's an apostle do? What's the word mean? It's a very simply someone who's sent forth. Someone who's sent, but it's also someone who's sent with credentials. And so there's someone higher that sends somebody with some authority to represent them. And that's what Jesus is. I mean, he did miracles. Maybe other people did miracles. But it's like what Carlos said earlier. Nobody's been raised from the dead. I mean, there have been people that have come back to life that might have been dead for three minutes or 30 minutes. Nobody that's been dead for three days that's been raised from the dead. So, he has credentials. We have to listen to what he has to say. And so, he was the one that was sent. Jesus, my son, you're the chosen one to go become a man and to walk in holiness without sin, just the way I planned for man to do. And then become... A sacrifice. And the Bible says that he was appointed and he was faithful to his task. That's what it says there in verse 2. But he's also high priest. Now, I think one of the things that I like about this is there's there's a lots of functions of the high priest um, in Leviticus that list all these functions of high priest. But this is the one... This is the one I want you to hear today. Upon a high priest's death, manslayers, that's people that have murdered people, were released from cities of refuge. So when a high priest died, those people that had murdered somebody or had killed somebody, they were there were cities in Israel that they could run to and they'd be safe there. They had to stay there, though. But when the high priest died, they could be released and be free. Was that in Leviticus or whatever? Is that spelled out in there? Or is that just traditional? traditional? Um, let me see if there's... Yeah, if I have a, it's there. It's there. Numbers 35, 25, 28, and 32. We'll, we'll kind of lay out that particular thing. So you, you see the, how that's just a shadow of what... The high priest in a whole new order of Melchizedek has done for us. We're released from the fear of death. And what else does a high priest do? He represents us before the Father, ever making intercession. You know, one day, one day we're going to be a bride, but right now he represents us in our 
fallen place, um, making intercession on our behalf. And so this morning, I just really wanted you to kind of be exposed to this. Think about your Savior first as an apostle who came and and completed his mission, was faithful to that mission. And secondly, he functions now as high priest. One day we'll see him as king. But now, when you think of him in, in what he is about in heaven, in his work, in his behalf for you and me, um, it should it should give us great hope and comfort because the Bible says, you know, he came, he was tempted in every way we were tempted, yet without sin. And all these things so that he could be compassionate and merciful and understanding to us as we walk in, you know, as we walk in this earth today. And so this is really just a beginning uh, of a, a magnificent book about the amazing name of Jesus Christ and the and the place that He has in heaven. And so I just really want to encourage you all to um, continue to praise His name, just what we've done. I mean, it was so nice to start out that. It, it, it's a great name, and it's a name that He has achieved because of all that He's walked through and the place that He is. And so I, I just encourage us all to to begin to understand the function of a priest. I mean, he he's of a whole different priesthood, and we'll, we'll get into this one of these later things, but this order of priesthood called Melchizedek, there, he's the chief of priests. He's the high priest in this order with a better covenant and better promises. So I'll leave it at that. Lord, we do thank you that you just can continue to reveal to us your amazing story, your amazing plan that, and promises even before um, the beginning of time. Lord, we thank you that as we're just faithful to continue to listen, to meditate on your word and the things that you have given us, that you will continue to reveal your great name and the great name of your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go page seven.